This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Khan, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Knight Yun of Nyambai in Oakland, California. Knight tells the story of her Cambodian heritage through her food. Hear how not even COVID-19 can stop her. We're back Monday with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Night. Hi. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. You've uh, been on a, a journey with Nyambai since the pandemic started. You stayed open. You did some carry out. You stopped. You reconfigured. You're kind of rebuilding the restaurant. Tell me, just what are you doing today? Um, interesting enough, uh, we finally, my team finally set a, I guess, a grand reopening date. We're aiming for the first week of June. So just to kind of have that date really, um, it's frightening and exciting at the same time because everything's just been so uncertain. You know, like you said, when the shelter in place was mandated, I still decided just to do takeout for the community to see how that would go. But um, it actually ended up really being very sad and depressing um, just because it was such a different environment. There's like no customer interaction it was just cold and still. Um, and so that's when I just told myself, you know what? It's been a crazy freaking two years anyways. Why not? <laughs> I mean, it's just been such a, I mean, looking back this past couple years, it's just been so insane. And like, oh, well, what better time just to kind of, you know, close up the shop and reassess, reflect and just rest. And, and so that's what I've been doing uh, for the past couple months. Um, I mean, who knew that taking time off the rest could be so difficult, but, um, <laughs> um, it, but is, it is rest comes with a lot of anxiety for those not used to resting. How do I, how do I rest is a question I, I, I often ask. How do you, how did you figure it out? How did you take the load off and feel less pressure or less anxiety about just being still? Why was it important to you? Um, it's important because um, I just felt the past two years has just been kind of nonstop. You know, already, you know, working in the restaurant industry requires long hours, hard work. I mean, that is a given, but like the mental strain, like, and the emotional, like, capacity that I had kind of wore out. I was feeling burnt out without even realizing it. It was just kind of an autopilot for me just to go, go, go. And now that I had time to just, when time just kind of slowed down for me, it's like, holy shit, I was just really tired. And so that kind of naturally, you know, forced me just to kind of close down the shop temporarily. But, you know, luckily I was able to kind of, was so tired that I just had to rest. And then sleeping a lot, resting a lot just allowed me to kind of create this cocoon that's in my office now. You know, I have like my yoga mat out um cup of tea every morning so creating like a ritual slash routine in the morning helped me just kind of unwind and just truly rest and um, having this rest you know i was able to kind of come up with ideas and think more about what i truly wanted for nyambai not even like post covid but just in general like the future of nyambai um hence kind of pivoting towards you know converting the shed that i have into like a really cool 
kiosk kiosk take takeout type of space. So, are you are you cooking to take care of yourself too? What are you making? What what feels good to eat? Oh my gosh, I'm eating a lot of bread. <laughs> I'm on the starter 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 panway again. I'm making a bunch of them: pizza crust, burger buns, dinner rolls, delicious bread. Um, but yeah, I've been cooking a lot more, experimenting with just random things. Um, I was able to call my mom up for um, like uh, this fish jerky recipe that she was making, that she made growing up. So, tell me more about that. Tell me about fish jerky. That sounds like good survival food. <laughs> um, well, I was you, normally you typically would eat it with porridge, just plain porridge. And I'm just craving something really comforting, and then you know, and then this fish that we grow up eating. But my mom would bring it back from Cambodia, like illegally. She would go back on this trip, and I think it's her mission just to bring back like dried fish and fermented like funky fish. And so there was like a lull, like a few years where she didn't go back to Cambodia, so she made it herself with like um. I don't even remember what kind of catfish, but I remember there was a lot of blood, a lot of gutting, like you know, scales, fish um, in the sink, and um, she flayed it and marinated it in salt, where she would just take it out to the backyard because we grew up in Stockton, where it was extremely hot during summer, and she would just kind of put the uh, lay the fish fillet out in the basket and sun dry it for a few days, and so you have like this kind of salty um, fish that's super hard, but you would take a like a something really heavy to pound it so it becomes kind of shreddy, like a shred uh, material, um, and then you would have it with porridge. So I learned how to make that recently, but with a dehydrator. That sounds fantastic. Will that be joining the the menu or the offerings? Um, eventually, yeah. Uh huh. Is it the kind of thing that's eaten as it's well? It's eaten with porridge, you said, but is it also used as almost like a seasoning sometimes? Yeah, you can. Uh, you get it really thin, almost like a floss like the shrimp floss and just kind of sprinkle it on like a stir fry or a salad. That sounds so good. Um, last year you won the Vilcek prize, um, for cooking to, you know, reclaim and tell the story of Cambodian heritage. When COVID-19 started, you know, sweeping across the United States and, and closing restaurants, did you feel at any point that, that, that dream would be interrupted? No, I mean, not at all. Um, that thought never really crossed my mind at all. Um, even now when I talk to other chef friends, you know, I, it's scary. It's such a scary moment right now for the restaurant industry, but the thought of like not celebrating Cambodia, like never occurred to me in some ways or form, even if it's not through like the restaurant or Yan Bai, I would find a way to still celebrate Cambodia and just kind of really, um, um, teach people more about the cuisine and the history. Um, you know, maybe start a podcast with the cool, you know, Cambodian rock and roll music or something. But it never occurred to me that um, I was going to stop, you know, doing what I do because of COVID. I would love for you to start a cool Cambodian food <laughs> and history podcast with Cambodian rock and roll music. Yeah, see, look at that. There's an idea. <laughs> well, we can we we can talk about making that happen for you. <laughs> Um, you know, your personal story is an interesting one. You were born in a refugee camp. Your mom literally walked through minefields to to bring your family to to safety to get to a, a a place like something like this. You have a different perspective on than I think most people probably do. I mean, yeah, my family went through so much, right, for my brother and I to get here, and so 
going through this, I've just kind of thought like this innate like resiliency kind of mentality of just kind of going forward and just finding solutions to whatever it is that I encounter. Um, so having that kind of, I don't know, in my DNA, you know, is helping me get through this. So tell me about what Nyambai is going to look like when it reopens in, in early June. What's the plan? I know you've reconfig- you're thinking about reconfiguring the design, the menu. So it's going to be really awesome. <laughs> it's going to be really cool um, because, you know, the restaurant's already so tiny. We can't really see a lot of um, customers, like our capacity. And there's just, just um, a restriction in capacity. So we kind of thought outside of the box, how do we utilize this space? And we have like a really cool patio area. And why not kind of transform that into a hangout spot where people can kind of still hang out, grab a few beers and order food without feeling like they have to be confined or feel like it's not safe to kind of hang out. Um, But essentially we're converting this shed, I should say it's a garage, into um, a takeout type of fast casual concept with um, you order at the counter and there's a takeaway window where you grab the food. But then there will be kind of meal kits, pantry items um, that they can also purchase. Um, it'll be, you know, still an experience, even though things are kind of like sterile with like the mask and gloves. I feel like I shouldn't really, you know, sacrifice the experience, um, even though now it's just, you know, we're operating out of a kiosk. There's still going to be like Cambodian rock and roll music in the background, um, vibrant we're gonna have a friend um, come in and do like a really cool mural. Um, so it's just gonna be a really cool, fun place to hang out while you wait for your food to take home. Tell me about the pantry items and what you're gonna be stocking there. Um, pantry items for now, we have the um, chili garlic hot sauce that we've been, it's highly requested item. Like, why won't you bottle this up? So now it's happening. Um, chili garlic hot sauce there's going to be like stir fry sauce where you can just take the sauce you know toss in your favorite protein veggies and you have yourself a meal and there's also the um staple uh lemongrass paste called kriung which you can um which i will um i didn't do it yet but this is like one of the foundation of cambodian cooking with a blend of lemongrass galanga garlic shallots we're going to put that in a paste, dry it up, and give proper and give instructions on how to use it at home. Um, and I was even thinking they could, like, we can create like a Spotify playlist where they can go on Spotify, you know, go on the playlist and listen to the music that we play at the restaurant while they're eating food, um, things like that. Um, and what else? Yeah, those are like the three main items. A grab and go. Will you have like steam buns where you can freeze but steam whenever you want? Um, what else? That's it for now. Mm-hmm. What a gift to people for uh, you know this to be the outcome in in a way. So many of these things are they're so labor intensive. You know the pastes and the broths and the fillings of the buns. They're not things that people are gonna be able to necessarily make by themselves. So to be able to set people up to do that. Um, it's cool. I mean, it, I'm happy that we're starting to get to the point in this story where, you know, some of the outcomes are, are nice, assuming everyone's able to survive economically. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Tell me about your connection to Cambodian rock and roll music. Why does it speak to you so directly? It just makes me feel good. You know, I grew up listening. I didn't, my dad always had Cambodian rock and roll music playing in the background, even though I never really listened to the words. Um, But it was always in the background. You know, every day my dad would play, you know, Sansa Simot Rosetia, and my mom would, you know, have her two, three requests. And it was just something I grew up listening to. And, um, I didn't know how beautiful it was until the lyrics, how, how beautiful the lyrics were until I moved out and I started listening to it when I was in college. And I just felt so, I just fell in love. It was just so beautiful. Like the lyrics, you know, that they would, just love stories that they would sing back and forth. And then there's songs that talks about, you know, life in the countryside in Cambodia. So there's like this picture of Cambodia that I envision when listening to this music, this, uh, time of Cambodia that was lost, you know, or, or this generation where my parents grew up. So I just kind of fantasize about all these times we'll listen to this music. And um, when I, <clears throat> and I just want people to like really, truly discover this music because it's so, me at least, it's amazing. You know, during the 50s and 60s, Cambodia was thriving in the art scene. And so this is one aspect of it. And the really cool music came out during this time. Um, and going to Cambodia, you know, discovered um, more uh, lost Cambodian music that I was able to, um, you know, I brought back with me. And it represents the good times, you know? And that's why it's such an important factor in my restaurant. When you walk in, it's just like, you know, if you put your worries at the doors, you know, you got Cambodian music blasting. It's just the good times. That's what I wanted to kind of encapsulate, you know? Has your playlist during this quarantine period taken on any specific theme or uh, tempo? Is it is it super loud? Is it super fast? Is it slow and reflective? A little bit of both. A little bit of both, but mainly loud. <laughs> yeah, I would just kind of put the music on, and like the other day, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, shouldn't even say this, but just kind of dancing around the house by myself, listening to my music. <laughs> I think that's great to say. I mean, we all we all need that kind of release. I think dancing around the house solo is probably at its all time high right now in America. <laughs> De- definitely. Yeah. Um, you did have some some periods of interesting uh, takeaway food during this time, especially what you were making for Khmer New Year's a few weeks ago. Can you talk about that? Oh yeah. So um, I made this snack called No Masam, and this is very laborious. But there's four components to this where you have to gather banana leaves, wipe it down, make sure it's clean. And then you soak sticky rice and mung beans overnight where you both have to steam. You have to steam the sticky rice um, and the mung beans separately. And then there's the pork belly where you cut into strips, making sure that there's an equal amount of meat to fat ratio. So when you take a, you just don't get all fat or meat. So that's really important. And you marinate that with uh, garlic, salt and pepper, and a little bit of sugar. Um, so it's kind of the making tamales, where it's very time consuming. You have the banana leaves down, and then you smear the uh, sticky rice on top of the banana leaf, the mung beans, and the pork belly. And then you kind of roll it up in the burrito. But you have to make sure that the rice and the mung beans doesn't spread out over the place. They're still, you know, uh, grains, they're not cooked right, so they're not sticky. And then roll that into a burrito, 
fold both sides over and then make sure you tie it really tightly with cooking twine because when you cook it, you're boiling it and you have to make sure that water doesn't get inside. Um, but it's all worth it. And people, families would make this to celebrate the new year. Yeah. Uh, there's so much food and this is one of them for sure. <laughs> I respect that you chose something so incredibly labor intensive to make instead of, you know, I mean, you could have picked something easier. Oh yeah. I could just make rice and then call it a day. <laughs> 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 I like I, I like the challenge. So what, what kind of work remains in order for you to get reopened? What do you guys have to physically do? We have to, um, construction. Um, we have the floor plan and design, everything ready to go. Now we just have to kind of recruit some homies to help us out and build this kiosk. Um, uh, have our, um, bring back a few more staff, uh, kind of reconfigure the kitchen. but. We're, we're almost there, you know, like shoot, the first week of June is what, a couple weeks from now. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I feel good about it. And you think people are ready to come back to restaurants in your neighborhood? I hope so. <laughs> I mean, we do have locals like, uh, you know, um, our regulars that live in the neighborhood, you know, they come by once in a while just to say hi. I don't know how it's going to go, but uh, we'll see. Uh-huh. Who do you turn to for, for wisdom and support during a time like this? Well, I talk to my mom quite often, either through text, or, you know, I would call her, um, friends, my husband, the community. Night, our show is called Takeaway Only. What's your big takeaway um, from living through this time, from running your restaurant, from reconfiguring things, from dancing by yourself in your house? Uh, takeaway? <laughs> I don't know. It seems such a hard question. Wow. During all this, um, put me on the spot. Um, uh, I guess the main thing that kind of popped out is just carving time for myself. I would say having a self-care routine. Like I'm a little bit worried when things get crazy again or when I have to go back to the shop that I might neglect this part. But I think it's so crucial and vital to like, my sanity and how I operate and just treat myself and others on a daily to day basis. So yeah, self care. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to get back to your, your restaurant as soon as I can. And uh, congratulations on having a cool plan to reopen. I'm excited for you. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here night. That was fun. That was night young. You can follow her restaurant on Instagram at Niambai. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Khan, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Khan, for Freetime Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at Beeples. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back Monday. This is Takeaway Only.